All right, between the ditches, I'm going to kind of change things up this morning and learning how to keep your life on the road. The intention of this message um, is not just to, to help us in our everyday life, but it is to help us focus on what's important. Something that's very deep on my heart, I believe in, even with Elizabeth and what, with her word, is that we get this right, that we get church right. This is God's gig. This whole financial thing is God's gig. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's God's. This is God's. It was his uh, intent. His purpose was for the church and for him to bless it. But it's also for your life to not live a life of just absolutely um, overwhelmed all the time that you can't focus on what's right. And this message today um, is about how to go through your week keeping things right. And God uses that word righteous. Righteous, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So what I find is that as long as I'm seeking after God and I'm seeking after his righteousness, that he makes sure that I'm provided in every way. And that goes for this church. So as a leadership, as your pastor, pastor's wife, that we make sure that we are following God as a church righteously. And if we are, God's going to make it, God's going to provide um, however, we go through challenges that sometimes puts us in a position to get desperate for God. Do you know that it says in God's word that God uses pain in order to reach us? Because sometimes it, it, will not, it, it takes pain to reach me. I won't listen until somebody presses that button. So, the road between the ditches is the space between my load and my limits. I've got to watch how much energy I have. I have to have breathing room in my life. So many of us are running on empty all the time, and we need space in our life. We need physical space so that we don't wear out physically. We need spiritual space so we don't wear out spiritually. We need emotional space so because for our relationships. We need financial space. How many knows it is no fun to live under a financial burden? It takes all your focus. You can't sleep. And what a blessing it is to have financial freedom. Now that goes in so many different areas of our life. But if you want to see how uh, fast-paced and how hard we're all going, just get out on the roads today. You get around Christmas season and it does not even resemble our city. 10th Street backed up in the middle of the day, not just during school. Uh, now, you, you, have you ever, anybody ever noticed going on Jefferson toward the interstate, going south on Jefferson, and how that right-hand lane backs up forever? And now it's worse because we have five guys. <laughs> By the way, Bruce is not here. I went to five guys and got a burger and fries and a drink, and it was almost $18. Okay, everybody stop. We love five guys. Can you see how quickly we can get on a bandwagon ready to go burn the place down? But $18. Life is a pressure cooker if we don't, if we don't get on top of it. Did you know that uh, it, there's been a study recently that people aren't buying frozen orange juice as much anymore? because they don't want to wait 
on the time it takes to make it? This was once said, it says, today's people are stressed out and overscheduled. In this brave new world, boundaries between work and family are gone. Everybody is mobile and every moment is scheduled with daycare, school, and after-school activities and 10 to 12-hour workdays and more possible events than anyone could ever possibly keep up with. Is that you? Now, this pressure cooker lifestyle, this fast pace is so pervasive that anthropologists are now studying how much it is damaging the human race. What effect it's literally having on humanity. Well, I want you to know that the Bible is clear about how hurrying and how busy lifestyles affect our lives. I'm going to give you five things about how hurry hurts you. Number one, hurry. What does it do? It increases my stress. All I have to do is get under a time crunch, and I already want to run. I am a person that cannot hardly handle a schedule change. There's no reason to chuckle. We all know it. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 6, says, I have no time for myself. Now, you would think back in the Old Testament times, you'd think things were incredibly slow. It's never been slow. Things never change. Things aren't changing. The thing that has to change, the world's not going to change. We have to change. I have to change. Some of you need to put this verse on the refrigerator. Because you're not taking care of yourself. You have no self-care because you're in such a hurry meeting everyone else's needs that you don't take care of yourself. And when you have no margin or space in your life, you're always a day late and a dollar short. And you know what that creates? It creates stress. You're always in a hurry and your personal reserves get depleted. So your stress goes up. Number two, it decreases my joy. The faster you move, it's been shown the less time you have to enjoy life. You know, if you go across America in an airplane, do you know what America's going to look like? A blur. If you go across America in a car, it slows down a little bit. I once went to California with my grandfather in a six-seater Cadillac with six people. I saw more of America than I probably cared to see. But I can tell you, we all got to know each other. I have good feelings and bad feelings about that. But if you bike across America, you see so much more. If you walk across America, you see so much more. As a runner, I see things in this town that people mainly will not see. And even then, I still miss it because I get focused on other stuff. When I'm walking, I can really look. But think about your own life. It says in Job chapter uh, 9, verse 25, it says, My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. Elizabeth once put on our chalkboard at home, enjoy the moment. You know what that takes? That takes someone to pause. Enjoy the journey. 
It's the journey that fills our life. It's not, it's not the destination. It's the journey of getting there. And so many times we go through this journey, even like with raising our kids, that we miss the good stuff. We look back at these times and we've, we've missed it. Well, I want to encourage you, stop missing it. Number three, you know what hurry does? It makes me less productive. We think that being in a hurry, we get more done, but it's a myth. Studies show, uh, study after study has proven that multitasking is a myth. It doesn't work. You may think you're good at it, but you're not. You're just kidding yourself and you're not working at your full capacity because your brain cannot multitask and be fully functional and fully effective. Something's getting cheated. I I think that women are probably better at it than men, but all of us are still not good at it. I'm going to just be hard on my wife for just a second. If she gets her face in her phone, nothing can penetrate it. Nothing can penetrate her mind. We, the, the house can be on fire. Mom! What? House is on fire. Oh. We can't do it. You think you can, but you can't. Something's getting cheated. And one of the reasons we're less productive, it shows in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. It says, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. If we took the time, every one of you could give a testimony on this right now. You get in a hurry, you put the wrong stuff in the recipe, you make the wrong decision, you make the wrong turn, and on and on. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. It just doesn't work. I can't keep charging without recharging. I can't keep charging without recharging. Next, hurry dries up my love. When you get in a hurry, the first thing that starts skimming is you start skimming relationally. The people who pay for it most are those that you love the most because you're, you're busy doing other stuff and you don't actually have time for a relationship. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2 says, Without love, I am no good to anybody. The message paraphrase says, I'm bankrupt. Other translations say, I'm worthless, I'm empty, I'm nothing. Nada. When I'm in a hurry, I don't have time to love. Number five, hurry keeps me from hearing from God. One of the things that will kill prayer the most is being in a hurry. Church, listen to me. This is going to be easy for this just to go right off your back and and out of here. We've got to slow down. This isn't necessarily the main point of my sermon today, but I believe it probably should be. You can't hear God in a hurry. You can't say, God, I've got 30 seconds. Please tell me what the plan is for my life. I was telling uh, Brian, a teacher of, my, of our Sunday school class this morning, 
how I'm trying so hard right now and praying to hear God, but my own voice gets in my way. And determining which one's God and which one's me is hard. But if I will slow down, God's voice is not my voice. But if I'm in a hurry, I will mistake God's voice for my voice. I have to slow down. You know, you know how God says to deal with this? About him, you not hearing him? About you being in so much of a hurry that you're missing God? You know what he says? He says, be still. Everybody say, be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still. If you don't have still times in your schedule, quiet times, you are not going to hear God. Too often, all the circuits in your brain are busy. In your life, the circuits are jammed. God can't get through. Think about how hard you go. I have, I have uh, taken on a new responsibility of doing some stuff at, at uh, our uh, Elizabeth and my business, the car wash. Y'all know I've, I've, we opened that car wash in 94, and I've kind of been in and out and helping in certain areas. And I've stepped up to start helping in an area because we lost a person that worked there, and I just decided to step in and handle some of it. And even last night, I couldn't sleep. Because my brain's turning. My brain's working a thousand miles an hour thinking about just stuff that I don't need to be thinking about. It'll be there when I get up in the morning. But my mind is going so fast. And God says, be still. Get with me. And I'll give you rest. Be still and know that I am God. God can't get through If God wanted to tell you something important today, he couldn't because you've got earbuds in, you're listening to the radio, you're in social media, and you're looking at your phone 96 times a day. On the low side, you've looked at it 96 times since you've been hearing me preach. Am I lying? Our brains have to slow down. These things cause stress and worry. Hurry causes you to lose your joy. Your love dries up. You can't hear God. So how do we change it? I'm going to try very fast to give you two areas. There's five that I want to give you, but this morning I'm going to try to give you two. The first step is learn to be content. Would everybody say content? The reason I even ask you to say it is just to make sure you're listening. Learn to be content. Do you know if you memorize scripture and you start saying it over and over and you just, uh, you get it out of your own voice, what happens is your brain has to think about the words that you're saying. Because sometimes I can be reading and my brain not be paying attention to what I'm reading. But if I'll get my mouth involved, I can't hardly do two things at once and I'm thinking about what I'm saying. Content. Philippians 4.11 I have learned, everybody say learned, to be content whatever the circumstance. If you don't catch anything else, you can learn contentment. You may be the most discontented person ever. 
Well, I want to encourage you. You can learn contentment. First step towards slowing down and giving some space in your life is to learn to be contentment. Content. content. <laughs> the, I want you to notice two things from this, being content. We are not naturally content. By nature, I am discontented. I'm not happy with everything in my life. We are naturally discontented, so I have to learn to be content. <coughs> Second, contentment. You can unlearn discontent. I know I just said the same thing, but many of you don't just need to learn to be content. Many of you need to learn to not be discontent. That's that whole thing of learning not to worry. Some of you need, need to worry. You've got this thing in you that you're, if you're not worried, something's wrong. You've got to learn to be content. If you're serious about slowing down the pace of your life, you have to honestly deal with your motives and the values that drive your discontent. You have to stop your constant push for more. What's keeping you pushing for more? More activities, more achievements, more money, more experiencing. There's nothing wrong with ambition. It's how you get things done. But ambition out of control is destructive. In our society, we don't know how to slow down. We don't know the meaning of stop and quiet and be calm. You don't know the t-shirts that are so popular now? I don't even know that they're that popular anymore. Be calm and something. Keep calm. Yeah, and whatever. Keep calm. Something that drives Elizabeth nuts is I quote um, Nacho Libre. And regularly I'll say, take it easy. That's my Spanish version, which is not very easy. Exactly. That's when it needs to be said. Unfortunately, the things that we are pushed, that pushes us so much, so many times, the things that pushes us to go at this pace is fear and insecurity. Fear and insecurity. You can be motivated by more and more in your life, even out of jealousy, what pe other people have, out of envy, out of guilt or revenge or anger, or you're trying to prove something to your parents or to somebody else, or your ego, or maybe even rage. But I want you to know ambition isn't always a good thing. What is your motivation what is the motivation of your ambition? Can you see that if you will allow the Spirit of God to speak to you, there's more than just the surface thing of you're going too fast. No, what's the heart behind why you're going so fast? If you don't deal with that, you'll just start cutting stuff out, but you'll just fill it right back up. But if you will deal with your heart, what's pushing me? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it me trying to one-up the Joneses? Is it me trying to have what somebody else has? Or is it love? 
if my ambition is based out of love, it's going to be appropriate. If my motivation is love, is godly love, it's not going to be destructive. But I sit here and live, and we live thinking, if I do more, people will like me. People will love me if I do these things. We think that we're going to prove our worth by our work. We want to work and work and work. If we think that that's going to make us loved, you know what's going to happen? If we think that all the stuff that we're doing is going to make us love, we're going to overwork. As long as you confuse your worth with your work, you're going to be in a hurry and overloaded. Your worth as a woman, your worth as a man has nothing to do with your work. It's not what you do. It's whose you are. You were created by God. God made you. Jesus died for you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That's why you have worth. Not because of what you do. That's why you're priceless. That's why you're valuable. Now, the starting point, I want to say real quickly, is not just to reduce your activities. Like I said, you're going to fill them right back up. But you've got to begin to get content with who you are and whose you are and where you are and what you have. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6 says, It's better to only have a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. Let me ask you this question. Will doing more things make you happy? Will having more make you happy? Will being more make you happy? The answer is no. Because if you're not happy with where you are now, you won't be happy with where, what you could add to it. The Word of God tells me that I can be happy, full of peace, full of joy now, right now, with who I am and who He is. I can be upset and just as unhappy with a million dollars as I can be broke. Another key to contentment, and this is really important, is to stop comparing your life to other people. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says, A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life, but jealousy rots it away. Social media today is a comparison trap, a demonic comparison trap. Now, it's fun to see each other and to, and to live, live our lives watching what other people are doing, but what happens is we begin comparing. We begin seeing who has more likes. We begin seeing what's going on with other people, and I want you to know what you see in social media is not necessarily the truth. Just like when two people come up here and get married, they put on tuxedos. They won't wear a tuxedo the rest of their life. But they do that one day. And it looks awesome. It looks dreamy. Well, I'm sorry. As cool as that is, that's not life. Life is doing what Brandon did in the mud or the other. That's life. What did I just step in? Not what we see in social media where the background's perfect. If you look on my phone, I've got a picture of, my, uh, of Ruth Ann at, uh, at Hilton Head. You probably can't see it, but she's on a, uh, a boardwalk, 
and the sun's setting just perfect, and she's just beautiful, and it's just a, just a great day. Uh, that's not life. Uh, is this true or not? Stop comparing yourself. God doesn't. You are beautiful. God loves you, and as a church, as Brandon has said, and I think Pastor Justin and I and Michelle and our staff and my wife, we are trying our best to learn how to love each other as God has called us to love each other. It is the thing that we are really grabbing hold of as a church, trying to learn to love. It's why we do Wednesday nights. It's why we're doing small groups. Even though we do other things in those, in those functions, the intention is to learn to love on each other. It's why we do Avery Trace. We are trying our best as a church to love the people that have been placed in our circle. And one way we can do that is by giving and also by going and meeting a need. That's how we show love. That's how the Good Samaritan showed love. But we get in such a hurry that we, can't, that, that we miss it. And I start comparing, comparing, and comparing leads to envy. Comparing and contentment are enemies of each other. The problem is we have more comparison today, and it's fake. Social media is a trap of Satan to get you to compare. And when he gets you to compare, you lose contentment. Finally, this is just number two, and I'm going to be very fast. I'm way behind today. Forgive me. Is everybody learned to say? Everybody learned to say? Everybody learn to say. <laughs> that just started to go all sideways on me. No. There's a way to say no. Uh, I told y'all about me jogging and a dog came after me. I said no to that dog differently than I would say no to you. You want the greatest time saver tip? Say no. All of a sudden your time just increased. You don't need a to-do list. You need a not to-do list. You need a not to-do list. You can't slow down in your lifestyle because your speed is a drug and you're afraid if you slow down, all the fears and the worries and all the demons are going to come and show up again. I don't know about you, but sometimes I run at a fast pace to keep other stuff away. Well, again, if we will allow truth, if we will allow the Spirit of God to really deal with the things I'm living with, I don't have to run at that pace to keep this stuff away. They will flee Submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee. What are you running from? It, 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 it's such an important... 
important thing to say no. It says, it says in Proverbs 20, verse 25, an impulsive vow is a trap. You get asked to do a thousand things and you say yes to everything. Well, you know a yes to one thing is a no to something else. And let me just say this to you, and I'll end here. It's easier to get in than it is to get out. It's easier to get in than it is to get out. It's easier to get into debt than it is to get out. How many of you know it's hard to get out of debt? It, I can get into debt in a day. It's easy. You may say banks aren't loaning money like they used to. No, they're not, but they will. They would love to loan money. But getting it paid off is not a day. Getting into a relationship is easier than getting out. Getting into trouble is easier than getting out. Gaining weight is easier than losing it. It's easier, it's easier to fill your schedule than it is to fulfill your schedule. So I want to encourage you. We need to get our priorities straight. We need to be still and let God speak to us. That whole deal that we just went over in Sunday school this morning on the, on the Ten Commandments today was the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is a day for us to stop and hear God and reset and clear and get our priorities straight again for another week. God knows you can only take about a week and then you need more God in you. You need to stop and allow God to be God and clear the stuff that needs to be cleared. I want to pray for you. I've kept you here till 12 o'clock. I try very hard not to do this. It's funny, me preaching on hurry. And uh, it's just the way it goes. Thank you all for being patient. Thank you for letting us be who we are. We are a church that worships. We're a church that allows a prophetic word to be given, even when it's a hard one about giving. Prophetic words have come all morning. If you didn't know, God is really moving. And I want to encourage you to get excited about your church. As Elizabeth said, not in my house. This is God's house. This is your house. This is my house. This has been my house since 1997. God led us here. God does not abandon his people. God's not going to abandon you. But sometimes I need to stop and be still and let God be God. God's never let me come up short. He's always provided. That's the God that I know. And I want you to know in your life, as you're sitting here struggling and looking, not looking forward to tomorrow, I want you to know if you'll slow down and seek God, that he'll take care of everything. That sounds too good to be true. I want you to know that's who God is. He'll take care of everything, but he's looking for you to come to him. As Jen sang this morning, O come, O come, Emmanuel, that we come to him and that he comes to us. Would you slow down? Be still and know, you personally know that he's God. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for all of us this morning. That, God, that we would hear your voice, that we would hear what it is that you're saying to us this morning. God, that we could lay everything aside and accept who you are and what you're saying. And that we would care about what you're saying. And that not only we would hear it, but, Lord, your word says in James that we would be doers of your word that we would take a little nugget from today and try to apply it. Apply your word to our life and that, God, as we apply your word, as as we obey your word, that, God, you meet the needs that we have. God, you are a God who provides. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, our provider. Just ask in my own life that I be still and know that you're God. God, I know you. And I know how good you are. Help me to slow down and to recognize what it is that you desire, what it is that you're saying, and that I would follow you. Let Church on the Hill be a church body of believers that follow you. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, just bless us this week. Let there be open doors. Let us be a people of favor and of timing. God, a people of power and of healing, and of restoration, and the things that we encounter, and the things that we do, Lord, would help further your kingdom. Just thank you, Lord, that you're with us, and that you never leave us or forsake us. God bless us this week. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week.